The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show, and thank you, thank you, all of you. You know, I've got to tell you, it is you that is making this show so popular on Voice America. It is you, people caring about other people with disabilities, thank you so much. And you know I was so excited about today. I have been excited ever since I was able to get Kevin Bell's back on again. You know, here's a man on ABC, on TV, everywhere, speaking throughout the world. And let me tell you what, <clears throat> you can tell this is a passion to him. Because no matter when you call him, he's ready to speak when it's about human trafficking. To me, he is really a true human rights leader. He is the president of Free the Slaves the U.S. Sister Organization of the Anti-Slavery International, which is, by the way, the world's oldest human rights group. He is an author, speaker, and today a great abolitionist. Kevin, welcome to the show. It's an honor to have you on. Oh, it's an honor to be with you. What are you talking about? But thank you so much. Kevin, what I wanted to uh, start with is, you know, I've read some of your literature and I've followed... Uh, some of your videos. As a matter of fact, we did put one of your videos out on our Facebook, and that's when I heard you talk about jumping shrimp and how you first became involved as an abolitionist. Would you mind sharing that with our listeners? Oh, I'd be happy to. I mean, uh, the shrimp doesn't come into the story for a couple of minutes, but I, I lived in London for a very long time, and I was at a public event and picked up a leaflet, and that leaflet said... There are millions of people in, the, in slavery today. And I thought, how can that be possible? I mean, if there, if there are any listeners who are thinking, I didn't know there were thousands, millions of people in slavery today. Well, I can tell you, I was there myself just a few years ago. But that, that leaflet piqued my curiosity, and I began to do research. I found almost nothing about modern forms of slavery. This was in the late 1990s and ultimately ended up in Thailand doing research there on young women, teenagers, who had been enslaved into prostitution. And it was really the day that we were able to take a young girl, a 15-year-old, from a brothel in a working-class part of, of, of a working-class town in, in Thailand, take her out of the brothel for the afternoon. Uh, the pimp just assumed we were a couple who were going to they were sort of kinky and wanted to have sex with her. But, in fact, as soon as we walked out of the brothel, my, my research colleague who spoke perfect Thai, a British woman who spoke perfect Thai, said, you know, little sister, we, we don't want to have sex with you. This isn't what you think. We just want to talk. What do you want to do? And, and of course, this girl named Siri wanted to go to the temple to pray that she didn't get HIV-AIDS. 
And then after we had done that, we went to have a, a meal together. And it was in that meal when she began to test us by ordering food that no foreigner should eat or would eat. It's a very Thai, it's a very Thai custom to do that. And one of the things she ordered was jumping shrimp. And it, 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 was, it meant live shrimp bathed in lime juice, uh, which burns them, and then served under a cover so that when they whip the cover away, the shrimp actually leap onto your plate be eaten. Uh, I was sure that I was going to be seriously ill because I'd watched these shrimp fished out of, a, out of a very dirty river. But that wasn't really what affected me that day. What affected me that day was that Siri opened up and told her story about serial rape, 15 men a day, about how she was brutalized and how the other girls in the brothel were tortured and some had actually been killed in front of them to keep them frightened and in line. And when I began to realize that she had opened up, possibly to her own detriment, the idea that she had dropped her shield, that she kept up to protect her emotions, and by opening us up to us had really opened herself up to being a human being again. But, you know, human beings don't really fit in hell. And we had to ultimately take her back. And that uh. broke my heart. It just broke my heart. There was an HIV-AIDS worker who had, in fact, given us... Given us uh, an entree, and made it possible for us to go in. But the pimp had been very clear that if we did not bring Siri back, the, he would kill the HIV-AIDS worker. So there was, there was no choice about that. But that gave me nightmares. It gave me nightmares, and it, and it affected me very deeply, but it also made me realize that I wasn't going to go back to being a university professor. I was going to devote myself to trying to to, to, to to resolve this situation of slavery around the world. You know, this is amazing to me because so many people in life, they see something that is not justice, an injustice, and yet they're able to walk away from it. And sadly, too many people do that or they turn, they look the other way. And that you did this is just Phenomenal, wonderful, and it is heartbreaking because I'm going to be honest with you. I, when I first read uh, your book, Disposable People: New Slavery and Global Economy, when I first read it, I was so mortified. Like I couldn't believe it was possible that these things went on in the world. And you know, when he was talking about Thailand, for example, so many children there are sold into sex slavery, it's just mind-boggling. And so, like, why doesn't the United Nations or someone do something about that? Well, I think we're all beginning to understand it enough to do something about it. And at the time, you know, my ignorance was reflected by the ignorance of policymakers and politicians and people in power around the world. And we're still, you know, fighting an uphill battle and raising the awareness. And, of course... Joyce, that's why I'm so appreciative that you let me come on your show, because every time we have a chance to talk about this, someone out there learns a little bit more and says, wow, you know, I don't want to live in a world with slavery, and, and what can I do about it? But the good news is that, you know, since the late 90s, there has been an exponential increase in the level of awareness about contemporary slavery, and good laws have been passed, and more resources are being spent, and, and so it's all to the better. But are we there? No, not by a long shot. Now, Kevin, didn't you just speak at a conference? I did. I was at the TED conference in California. 
Yeah, can you tell our listeners what that is? The TED conference, I mean. Well, the TED conference is the, the T E and D in the in the word TED stands for Technology, Entertainment, and Design, and uh, which makes it sound like it's all about uh, people who work in TV or something like that. But it's in fact a a conference primarily aimed at policymakers and people, philanthropists and people from the technology fields, and and uh, and it invites people who are making breakthrough research to talk about it. And so it's a real it's a real mixed bag. You know, I heard famous mathematicians there and biologists as well as uh, uh, some amazing musicians and, and on and on like that. But the good news is that it's a place in part because the ticket price is so incredibly high to go to this conference, over $6,000. Uh, it means that Bill, people like Bill Gates were there and uh, Al Gore and others who are fairly influential, and they feel relaxed and safe in that context, and so that when you talk to them, they don't necessarily feel like you're trying to push them in any direction. They're actually there to share ideas. That makes a great difference, and I'm not too comfortable with the exclusive nature of some high-priced conferences like that, but I'm very happy to be able to talk to people who might have influence over how our, how our government and internationalist institutions work. Well, you were a big impact because although I already had you scheduled, I was afraid, oh, no, will we still be able to get them on here? Because after you spoke at that, it was on Facebook and Twitter. And, Kevin, I want to tell you, you were a trending topic on Twitter. Well, I didn't. I don't know quite how that works, but I'll take your word for it. How that works is you have to be extremely powerful, famous, like a celebrity, a movie star, or something big going on, such as Haiti or uh, such as the Olympics. And then when you look down at the bottom of Twitter, it will say trending topic, something that oh, everyone throughout okay. the world is talking about. So one day I look, and what do I see? Kevin Bales. You know, that must have been my 15 minutes of fame, and I didn't actually realize I'd had it. So You had it, and let me tell you <laughs> why it's so great is the people around the world, anyone on Twitter, saw that little speech you gave. Oh, great. Yeah. I'm happy to, I'm happy to hear it. That's one, yeah. of, that's one of the interesting little um, uh, facts about the TED conference is that no one is allowed to speak for longer than 18 minutes. Mm-hmm. Whether they're the president of the United States or you know a local sculptor, so um, uh, everybody has to be to the point, and that's really to to the benefit of of the listeners. Well, you obviously had a big bigger impact than you knew, huh? I guess that's right. Yes, that's and I was happy to see it because I thought, Thank you. well, the as you said, the more people that hear about this, hopefully someone will do something about it, as you are. But you know, we, we still have a long way to go, and we need to get this news out everywhere to everyone so they realize what is really going on in our world. So if you just joined us, you are in for an exciting show, an informative show, sometimes, I will admit, very disturbing. But unless we talk about it, We won't be able to do anything about it. We have as our guest today Kevin Bales, president of Free the Slaves, an abolitionist, a human rights leader, author, speaker, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Kevin. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Get ready for a show that breaks ground on the subject of women in motorsports and what it takes to dream, believe, achieve. Gas and Go with Alio is all about the movement that is happening lightning fast in women's racing. You'll get a wide array of perspectives from the drivers to the fans, as well as what it takes to be a role model in a male-dominated sport. Join your host, professional driver Allie Owens, for Gas and Go with Allie O. Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Power Up Motorsports Channel. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy Easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than three million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back. And we have as our guest today, Kevin Bales, president of Free the Slaves and author, human rights leader, abolitionist, just a really great, uh, let me put it like this, thank God he's on this world for those who are in slavery today. And we do have a question for you here from, you're on Facebook and Twitter as we're speaking, Kevin, Uh, and this question is, Mr. Bales, it's wonderful what you're doing. Uh, I applaud you. I do have to ask you this question. Do you ever have a time when you have been speaking in another country about this issue and feared your life? Signed, Frank. Well, Frank, call me Kevin first. You don't have to call me Mr. Bales. But, um, you know, I there have been a few situations, not when I was speaking. It was usually when I was doing that on-the-ground research. And sometimes for that research I, I have to go and do undercover work. And there have been a couple of times where the situation was a little dicey. Uh, but I have to say, no, it was, there was never a moment where I feel that really feared for my life. 
On the other hand, I have to tell you that, you know, while Joyce says really nice things about me, I know that there are people out there on the line who are getting people out of slavery every day, like Emmanuel Otto in in uh, Ghana or Supriya Wasti in India that, that are co-workers of ours. And they actually face those threats much more than I ever do. Just last week, uh, Emmanuel and another one of our colleagues, James Kofi Annan, got convictions for human trafficking and slavery for the very first time in Ghana for, for people who had enslaved children into the fishing industry. And as soon as those convictions came down and those men were taken to prison, our Emmanuel and James both and their families both began receiving death threats. Oh. I, I said to both of them, listen, you know, just put your family in a car, drive off to one of those beach resorts in Ghana, and take a couple of weeks off, let it cool down. And both of them said, no way. Uh, you know, this is what our jobs are about. This comes with the territory. We're not going to let people run us off. We're here to get people out of slavery. I mean, that's bravery. They, they are so brave. Oh, and I say, hey, kudos, congratulations to you, you know, people that do something like that. I mean, that is an amazing story. I'm sure that it's like that and would be like that throughout other parts of the world. But um, here's the big shock. It's not just other parts of the world. So I know that many of our listeners do not even understand how how there could be slavery today. Uh, but what will shock them even more is the possibility that it occurs in our own country. Would you mind talking about that, Kevin? Oh, I'd be happy to. Uh, you know, in the United States, very conservatively, uh, we believe there's something between 40,000 and 50,000 people in slavery. And that's slavery. Oh, my God. It divides up into, into some several large categories and a very large number of small categories. The large categories are these. The, about, uh, about 48% of the people we believe to be enslaved in the United States are women who have been enslaved into prostitution. But the next highest category is also normally women, about 20% of all those enslaved, uh, women who have been enslaved as domestic servants. It's a, it's a very common form of slavery in the U.S., but it's one that's always hidden away in people's houses, so it's hard for us to see. The next highest category is, is agricultural workers, and this is especially down in South Florida and, and Southern California. And there's a lot of people who have been caught up in and enslaved in the fields. They don't look necessarily any different to other field workers, normally um, people coming up from Central and South America. But, in fact... There's somebody standing nearby who's got a weapon and who hustles them on and off to a bus and on in and out of a trailer at night and has total control over them. They can't walk away. They're not paid a thing, and they're likely to be brutalized. And then on top of that, as I said, there's, there's clever criminals will, will enslave people in the United States doing almost anything that you could possibly think of. I'll just give you a couple of curious examples. There was a boys' choir, a boys' choir from the country of Zambia, that were brought into the United States and then enslaved as part of a charity scam. So they were taken around ch churches and used to raise funds to build schools back in Africa, which were, which were never, in fact, built. Oh, my like, goodness. Yeah. And likewise, there was a case in Nevada where Chinese acrobats were enslaved as part of a circus act. Um, again, they were told they had, were going to have good jobs in the United States, and when they got here, they were locked up and so forth. It's a... Uh, 
if, if you can, if, if a criminal can think of a dirty, dangerous, demeaning job where they can squeeze money out of someone by enslaving them, there's a good chance they'll take a shot at it. And not, and not least because we don't do a very good job of seeing the slavery in our own population, seeing the problem all around us. Now, these people that have people living in their households as maids or cooks or whatever, but, but that really are slaves working for them, what are these like more wealthy people? I mean, and how the heck do they get in contact with these horrible people that sell slaves? Well, they, the, it's, it's obviously people who have some resources. It's not the very poor that tend to enslave domestic workers. And the other side of it is how they get into it is that they tend often to be of the same nationality or ethnicity, but often of a different social class or maybe tribal group. So I can think of a case here in Washington, D.C., where uh, a Cameroonian family enslaved a couple of girls as domestic workers from Cameroon. Uh, so they're all Cameroonians, but they're of different tribes in Cameroon, and the girls who were enslaved were of a lower socioeconomic and a, and a tribe that tended to be discriminated against. Or, you know, there was a big case recently on Long Island in New York, uh, a couple that originated, uh, who were American citizens, but originated in India, but had enslaved a, a, a couple of Indonesian women uh, uh, through some sort of, uh, I think, rec made recruitment service originally, but when they got them into their home, they were able to lock them up, beat them, torture them, so forth, and um, never pay them. And it was only through the very daring escape of one of those women that, that it all came to light. The, the, the couple, the Indian couple, are, have, are, have now been imprisoned and convicted of that. Oh, my. Oh, you know, all of this is just so hard. It's so hard to fathom, but sadly... You know, one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on and connect with you again, Kevin, is that over the past year, the Department of Justice did a study in the United States finding that one group that is the most brutalized uh, with violence are people with disabilities. Because, of course, if the person, for example, uh, has an intellectual disability or autism uh, or, or maybe vision impaired, or deaf. Sometimes people take more advantage frequently. They, you know, criminals will try to take advantage of them. Well, as we were sitting here talking about that, I thought about, imagine what this would be like in other parts of the world. It would be so much easier to prey on these people. So I can guarantee you that many of these millions of people in slavery also are people with disabilities. Well, you know, in fact, there's a, there was a case right here in America that demonstrates that very clearly. Uh, it's, it's a very well-known case to, to those of us in the anti-human trafficking world, because it, and it's known as the deaf Mexicans case. Uh, there was a, a woman, an upper-middle-class woman in Mexico, who herself, she herself was deaf, but she recruited deaf families and deaf individuals across Mexico, brought them to, to the United States, uh, brought them to either New York City or Chicago, and then put them onto the subways and onto the street corners, you know, hold it, handing out little slips of paper that said, you know, I am deaf, uh, would you like to take this ballpoint pen and give me a dollar, that kind of thing, all in English. Um, and at night would round them up, 
bring them back, make them sleep 30 and 40 in, in, a, in a tiny apartment. If they did not return with at least $100, they'd be beaten up and, and explain to them that they really had to make that much money or they would be beaten up again. And uh, the, they were significantly isolated by their disability. So while they were enslaved, standing in public on street corners in Manhattan, they were isolated, I think, for two, two key reasons. One was that, of course, they were Hispanic, and they looked poor, and a lot of people will just walk by someone who seems to be a foreigner. And then secondly, their disability, their deafness, meant that they were, there was a cone of silence that surrounded them, and they were not able to speak out or to hear anyone speaking to them. And it was only when, after several years, when one of these enslaved deaf Mexicans met a Roman Catholic priest who spoke their form of sign language that they were able to break this case open. Oh, horrifying. And you know, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And you know, there are many disabilities where people would be able to prey on those people, and sadly, we're in other parts of the world where families would sell them. I think I think you're right about that, and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't pers- I wouldn't go so far to say slavery is a disability, but I would point out this that in order to control people in slavery, it's very common for slaveholders to starve their slaves to to make sure that they only get one or two hours of sleep. In, in 24. So they're, they're malnourished and they're sleep deprived and then they are physically traumatized. In other words, they're beaten up. Now, if you can imagine, you know, your mental condition, your physical condition after sleep deprivation, starvation and, and brutality and very often sexual assault as well, you can see that a person is, 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 is pushed into a state of being that reflects a certain disability, a disability to even re, re, respond with resistance to the person who's enslaved them. Absolutely, because if our soldiers come back and have post-traumatic stress disorder, imagine if you've been tortured or sexually assaulted, how you would have the same problem. So this means people with disabilities, such as those deaf people, could be a victim, but in addition you could end up easily with a disability. And that's why, you know, I always tell people when it comes to all these issues of dignity in life, we're all in it together. We're all in this together. We all have to speak up and have a voice together. And that's why I will always have Kevin Bells back on until the day he tells me, guess what? We, we don't have this problem anymore. But I know we're long from that day right now. But we'll be right back to talk with him. And if you are listening to this show and you're thinking, oh, I want someone to hear this show, remember, it is archived at BenderConsult.com and at VoiceAmerica.com. We'll be right back. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at VoiceAmerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be back with Kevin. News. 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 News.
Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back. If you just tuned in, we have Kevin Bales, president of Free the Slaves, author human rights leader, abolitionist, and speaking of author, I told you about his one book, which I would suggest everyone gets that book, Disposable People. Oh, it will change you forever. But now I have another book to read because he has a new book out. Do you want to talk about your new book, The Slave Next Door, Kevin? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, It's the first book uh, ever about the extent nature and reality and stories about slavery in America today. And uh, with a co-author named Ron Sudalter, we spent five solid years putting it all together so that, so that we can have a complete picture as well as some real depth uh, in, an, in our understanding of exactly how slavery works in America today and also who's doing what to stop it, who's doing not too much, who should be doing something to stop it, and what what we can do at the local level, the state level, then the federal level to really make America a slave-free country. And I think, you know, while the, most of the book is, is about the realities of slavery in America, the thing that excites me the most is that the United States could literally be the first slave-free country in history because uh, we've got a good, solid, honest law enforcement and we've got really good laws in place. So we just have to kind of wake up and see the slavery that does exist here and make sure we root that out and take care of the people who have been enslaved. Now, Kevin, if someone wants to purchase this book, how do they get it? Well, it's, it's in a lot of bookstores right now, but it's probably easiest to go to uh, something like Amazon. It's mm-hmm. certainly right there on Amazon or any of the other online booksellers. And you can also order it from freetheslaves.net, uh, our website, uh, at, at about the same price. So... Uh, it's out there. It's uh, if you just if you were to Google or Amazon the slave next door, it would turn up right away. Okay, and that is again the slave next door, Kevin Bales, B A L E S. Get it? I'm telling you, uh, the, when I read his one book, as I said, uh, I'll never forget it. It had such an impact on me. And we have another question for you here, uh, Kevin, from Cindy in California, and her question is. Uh, do you, Kevin, ever have documentaries or videos or something that we could purchase to show at colleges? Oh, Cindy, what a perfect question. You would have thought that I had planted Cindy into this conversation. Um, Free the Slaves is very fortunate to have, as our communications director, a very talented and award-winning documentary maker. 
and we have a number of films which are available free of charge, or sometimes we can, you know, get you to pay the postage and whatever, that are designed for use in schools and colleges and with, and with groups. So if you look at, at our website, freetheslaves.net, uh, I can mention a couple of them. There's one that's called Dreams Die Hard. It's a 30-minute film about slavery in America today. It won a big prize at a, at a film festival just last, late last year. There's another film called Silent Revolution, where you follow a village in hereditary slavery in northern India as they fight their way out of slavery to freedom. And there's another one called Freedom and Beyond that's a, that follows some little boys who have been enslaved into carpet weaving in, in India and how they are rescued and then go through a process of education and reintegration and rehabilitation and go back to their own villages where they were kidnapped from or enslaved from and become the village elders at age 12 because of their new education and understanding of human rights. It's, it's a, it's, they're, they're, it, it may sound a, a funny thing for me to say, but our films almost all have happy endings, which you wouldn't necessarily expect for films about modern slavery. Oh, thank, well, thank goodness for that. Okay, they can get that at freetheslaves.net? Yes, they can. And, and in fact, many of those films can be watched on YouTube. Uh, but we can, we've got very high quality, broadcast quality, uh, DVDs that, that they can order from the website. And I should say, we also do not hold back the copyright on our films. So if you want to put it on a local cable channel or you want to put it on your university TV, um, station, that's totally okay by us. And we let anybody broadcast it in any place at any time. Awesome. Wonderful. I know that I'll be looking into that, and I'm sure that many of you listening to the show uh, will also be looking into that. So, Kevin, you know, I noticed that when I told some people that you were going to be on and that there were, and we haven't talked about this yet, what is the number of people in slavery today in the world, Kevin? 27 million. Yeah, because you should have seen when I was at a group and I had them guess the number. May I say no one was near 27 million. So right away, what? You're kidding. Well, why don't we know about that? Or why don't they talk about that on the news? Why does the CNN talk about this all the time? I mean, why wouldn't we know about it? And what is the answer to that, Kevin? Well, the answer is it takes a while to penetrate the public imagination, the public knowledge. You know, if, if, if we were, let's say, Coca-Cola, if our organization had the size of Coca-Cola, and we had a billion dollars to spend a year, as they do, making you think that Coke is great, is great stuff, and we were, we were spending a billion dollars to help people understand the, the extent of modern slavery, we'd, I think everybody would know by now. But the, listen, I've got good news, Joyce, and that is that we did do and worked with, uh, there was a group, uh, uh, a foundation that did an, a, a public opinion poll last year, and they asked a, a random sample of the American population what they knew about modern slavery or if they had any idea about it. And what we were, I was very surprised to learn was that more than 85, up to 90% of the population is aware there's something called modern slavery and they are aware there's something called human trafficking. So we've made this very slight impression. Most people know now that there's such a thing. They just don't have any sense of the detail and they don't have any, any sense of the complexity or the depth of the issue. Well, I'm so glad 
that I can be one little teeny tiny part of it because anything I can do to help you, Kevin, I, I will. I, I really believe this is so absolutely so important. And, and with our government, we were talking about this earlier, are you working with the Obama administration? I mean, are you working with people on this issue? Oh, yes, absolutely. And I have to say that while it, it, it doesn't carry the headlines, under President Obama, we've had a pretty significant increase in both the interest and the resources devoted to this issue. Uh, we were so excited when legislation that we had supported uh, last year and the year before, when it came through committees, instead of being reduced in terms of funding, it was actually bumped up at a time when other things were being cut back. Um, Secretary of State Clinton, uh, has been a long supporter of work against human trafficking and has brought into the State Department a number of people who have a long history in this issue and a lot of expertise. And the appointment of, of Lou DeBaca as the ambassador to uh, monitoring combat human trafficking in the State Department, a very important position globally, uh, is also one of the great acts of the Obama administration because Lou DeBaca is the man in the Justice Department who, when he was in the Justice Department, prosecuted and convicted more human traffickers than any other person in American history. And oh. he's a great champion. So we're pretty much over the moon in terms of where we're going. Now, I've got to say, uh, as everybody has to say who works on this issue, uh, while they're doing a brilliant job, it's still not good enough. You know, the, uh, the amount of resources brought to bear just won't solve the problem either in the United States or other places. And, and it kind of leads to that strange situation in which, well, Joyce, let me, let me put it to you this way. Imagine you were at home and somebody came to your front door and, and they were collecting for a charity. And they said, um, ah, uh, thank you for, for, for uh, your time. Uh, I'm collecting on behalf of murder. Uh, well, I'm collecting money to, to help stop murder. Well, you'd say, uh, wait a minute, that, you know, that's what the police are supposed to do. That's why I pay my taxes, because murder is a crime. Well, the, see, the crazy thing is, slavery is a crime. The law is very clear. We pay our taxes. We really should be able to expect the police and our, and our government to, to address it in our own country. And yet, people like me who work for a charity have to go out and beg money just to get a fundamental law enforced. And that, that just ain't quite right, if you ask me. No, that's definitely not right. And, you know, I have a young pastor in Chicago that used to be in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, that was really trying to speak out about this. What he was talking about is how some corporations use slave labor. Um, and he was uh, talking about the garment district and, you know, different places like that. What, what's your feel about that, Kevin? Well, I, I think we have to be careful with our language. It's, it's actually almost unknown that major corporations use slave labor. But, let's, uh, to, be, to be clear about it, there are small-scale suppliers, guys who run sweatshops, guys who run farms that make that grow cocoa or cotton or sugar or a lot of other things, got small-scale criminals who run mines that, that dig up the minerals that we're interested in, that sell those minerals those, or those foodstuffs or those finished goods from little sweatshops up to corporations. So it's not the corporations themselves that use the slave labor, but they are often buying whether they know it or don't know it, 
goods that are tainted with slavery or commodities that are tainted with slavery. Now, what I'm, what I'm, the reason I'm saying it that way is to point out that I don't believe the corporations are guilty. I think the slaveholders, the slave masters, are guilty. But I think everybody else along the product chain, including the corporations, are responsible, but also including us, the consumers. I think everybody who uses or, or makes a profit from a good tainted with slavery has a responsibility to remove that slavery from that product. It doesn't mean we're guilty, but it does mean that we're all equally responsible. Now, the good news about being equally responsible is that we can all equally work together to, make, to fix the problem. So rather than, say, attack a corporation, I want to say to a corporation, right, you've got a problem with slavery in your product. I've got a problem because I'm a consumer who wants to use that product. Let's work together to trace back and cut the slave master out of this equation. Yeah, that you know, it 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 is so much all just one word, greed. I mean, that's what this comes to, greed and power, um, and that's why it's so important to be educated about this. It really is. Um, and, to, and to do something about it the way you are, Kevin. So we're going to go to break before we come back to close the show. But once again, if you want other people to hear this show, remember it will be archived at voiceamerica.com and benderconsult.com if you want to use it at your school or at your university or anywhere you want. You help Kevin Bales get the news out. This is Joyce Bender. America's Voice, where we are speaking up today about slavery at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. At last, a radio program dedicated to helping women look fabulous and feel fabulous naturally. You'll pick up tips on natural detox, learn about the benefits of whole foods, practice stress and relaxation techniques, and learn more about health, relationships, remedies, and self-motivation. Tune in to Feel and Look Fabulous with Arena. Broadcast live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We promise you, it's women's time well spent. 
Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. And hey, welcome back. We've been talking to Kevin Bales, president of Free the Slaves, author, abolitionist. You know what? Even when I say that, Kevin, I think I can't believe I'm saying that word today. I know what you mean. I know what you, you know mean. You know what I mean? Okay, that, you know, during the time of William Wilberforce, okay. But I, sure. and, and here in the United States, but I can't believe I'm saying it, but, you know, that is what it is. Uh, but, Kevin, I wanted to ask you, about the chocolate industry. I know you talked mm-hmm. about that uh, recently. Can, what, what has happened with the chocolate industry? Well, the, uh, the, the thing that's exciting about that is that back in 2001, we, make, we were making a film about modern slavery, and we uncovered some pretty ugly slavery in cocoa, on cocoa farms in, in West Africa. And it broke the story, and it shocked the bejabbers out of the, out of the chocolate industry who I, I will say I honestly believe that they did not understand that there was some serious slavery in their cocoa. Now, I can, I can believe that in part because, you know, just in, in, the, in Ghana and the Ivory Coast in West Africa, there are 1.3 million cocoa farms, small, wow. little, tiny, little tiny 10-acre farms. And we think only maybe 2 or 3% of those farms have slave labor. So they're sprinkled out there in the middle of all the other farms. They tend to be the ones that are, in fact, furthest out in the boondocks because that's the easiest place to hide the slave labor. Well, what it meant was that that a lot of people said, well, we've got to boycott the chocolate companies to punish them for the fact that they have slave labor. But I, I felt like, and a number of us felt like, you know, they actually have the responsibility and the resources to do something about this. So with them and under the guidance of uh, a, a number of, of politicians like Senator Harkin from Iowa and uh, Congressman Engel from uh, New York, uh, we were able to form something called the International Cocoa Initiative, which is actually a nonprofit foundation that bankrolls the anti-slavery and anti-child labor work on the ground in West Africa. The chocolate industry is who actually puts up the money to do that. And so far, since 2001, 2002, you know, more than $20 million has moved from the chocolate industry into that work. And that's a tremendous change. No other industry in the world has taken that kind of initiative and done that kind of significant movement of money. And I've got to tell you, see, we've got slavery in cotton, sugar. There's a mineral in your cell phone called coltan and cassiterite. It's all got slave input. And, it, and the list goes on and on, and no other industry is doing what the chocolate industry is doing. Wow. Hey, thank God. It's so great to hear some good news. 
I'm glad someone's doing something. Too bad more people aren't. Well, Kevin, over the past years, you have done so much. So, I mean, you've received so many awards and your work has, but I wanted to ask you, what would you say is your proudest accomplishment? You, you know, there are those, I don't, I don't know if I can point to one, but I got to tell you that, that, that there are those days and they come about once a week. Uh, when we get an email from our partner and our workers in, in, in other countries around the world, and, and the email will have an attachment, and the message will say something like, here's a photo of the 17 children that we rescued today from slavery in whatever that situation was. Here's a photo of the 12 families that we brought out of hereditary slavery. So here's granddad who was born in slavery, dad, mom, the kids, all born into slavery, hereditary slavery, and now they're free. Well, you know, every time I get one of those emails, every time I get one of those notices of a, liber- of a real liberation, I just feel like <laughs> I, if I get hit by a bus on the way home, I've done, a, I've done a good day's work, and it'll be okay by me. And so am I, am I excited about that, but I'm especially proud of those workers on the ground who are risking their lives to make that happen, as opposed to me who just sits around and talks about it a lot. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I know how excited I get, Kevin, just to help a person with a disability gain employment. I cannot imagine the feeling of seeing someone leave slavery. That That is unbelievable. Well, I know, Kevin, you have to leave. This man is so wonderful. Listen, folks, he has to jump on a train, but he still did this show for us, and I'm going to let him leave before the show ends. But before you go, Kevin, do you want to leave a message with our listeners? Well, I want to, yeah, I do, because there, there, there's one more big idea that I want to share, and that is one of the things that we have come to understand in the last four or five years is that slavery can literally come to an end. This can be the generation that brings slavery to an end. We've got a plan to eliminate slavery from the planet Earth. It'll take about 25 to 30 years, but since we published that plan a couple of years ago, a lot of people have looked it over, a lot of very powerful scientists and policymakers. No one has criticized it, and nobody has said they don't think it will work. And, in fact, some, like President Clinton, Bill Clinton, has taken it up and said, we're going to get behind this because we think this can work. So there's actually a book out there, another, sorry, Joyce, another book called Ending Slavery. And it's our plan for how to, how to rid this world of slavery, and we think we can do it, and we are inviting everyone to join us in this amazing adventure of bringing slavery to an end. Wow. We'll be there with you. You can count on that, Kevin. Good luck. Have a safe trip, and thank you again for all you do. Oh, it's my pleasure always to be with you, Joyce. Thank you, Kevin. Okay. You know what? I mean, is this like, are you not sitting there just saying, wow? (laughs) Trust me. that, That is how I feel. I mean, it's just amazing all the things that this man has done. And I'm always overwhelmed. I I told you, go get his books. Read his books. You will not be the same because of one college intern came up to me one day and said, Joyce, you must read this book, Disposable People. So I made up my mind, okay, he asked me to do it, so I'm going to do it. I read it. Never, ever did I think uh, that it would have such an impact on me. I read the book. I was shocked. I mean, I, I was, I guess I was not educated because I had no clue that there are 27 million people in this world living in slavery. And when you read these books of Kevin, it will tear your heart apart because you're going to read about how 
there are parents who sell their children, little children, into sex slavery in other parts of the world and, sadly, coming into this country. I mean, it's just so hard to believe that there are times when a parent will say, oh, you're going to go, you're going to get a better job, and, you know, little does that child know what is going to happen to them. It's so horrifying. And that human trafficking is a big business. You know, when I said before about greed, there is so much money in this that it is a terrible, terrible, evil thing. And we all have to work with Kevin to do what he said in slavery. Remember, go to freetheslaves.net to read more about Kevin Bales or to get any of his books, freetheslaves.net. Educate. Remember, we, people with disabilities, are often the victims of this horrible horrible crime. So before we close the show today, we end the show always with a quote from a famous civil rights leader, but today it is a quote from our own abolitionist, Kevin Bales, who said, slavery is theft, theft of life, theft of work, theft of any property or produce, theft even of the children a slave might have born, said Kevin Bales. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice. We're at Disability Matters at voiceamerica.com. We care. We care about you. We care what happens to you every day of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I look forward to seeing all of you next week. This is Joyce Bender. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 